Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Well, hello, I'm Janet Morana, the Executive Director of Priests for Life. Welcome to Oceans of Mercy. Well, something exciting is happening now on this weekly show, Oceans of Mercy, because in addition to Kevin Burke of Rachel's Vineyard, there will be other people hosting great guests. So today, I'm Janet Morana, as we said, Executive Director of Priest Life. I also co-founded the Silent No More Awareness Campaign, which is the largest mobilization of women, of men, of grandparents, of siblings, all who have lost a child to abortion, deeply regret that, have gone through healing, and now speak publicly. Why do they do that, people ask Janet? Well, very simply, number one, to reach people who are still hurting, to know the Lord's mercy is here, the forgiveness is here. In fact, if you want to know how to find forgiveness, go to abortionforgiveness.com and you can find the nearest abortion recovery program near you. The campaign also wants to reach out to people to know that maybe you're considering an abortion. Listen to these stories. It really will change your mind. You'll see abortion didn't solve their problems. It created so many other problems. And finally, especially now, when we have such a debate going on about the overturning of Roe v. Wade, Well, some people think women have to have abortions. You listen to these stories and you'll see, no, abortion doesn't hurt women. It doesn't empower them. It damages them physically, psychologically, spiritually, and emotionally. And so therefore the campaign is reaching out to accomplish these goals, but we need you. So you're gonna stay tuned now because I'm going to give you a very unique uh, opportunity because you're going to meet one of our regional coordinators for the Silent No More Awareness campaign. Her name is Bridget Blair, and she helps coordinate campaign activities up in Northern California. So, Bridget, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So now, uh, Bridget, you have given your testimony. Uh, Tell us... um, what places you've been uh, to to give your testimony? Most recently, I shared my testimony in April in front of our Assembly and Senate here in California in opposition of some of the Assembly and Senate bills that they're trying to pass here in California. And so I was a part of sharing my story to them to let them know about the harm of abortion. And then also I was able to share at the West Coast Uh, Walk for Life in San Francisco in January. Great. That's fantastic. And of course, um, some people might say, well, okay, let's let's hear some details um, about Bridget and and her abortion experience. So I'm going to take you back a little bit. Uh, I know you were quite young. You were 14 in in high school, right? Tell us the circumstances uh, surrounding you know, the getting pregnant and then making that abortion decision. Tell us how that happened. Well, I was very naive as most 14 year olds are. And I 
grew up in a family. I was pretty much unsupervised. Both of my parents worked after school hours. And so I was uh, fending for myself and I going into high school, I wanted love. I wanted to be accepted. I wanted a relationship. I um, was looking for just that relationship to make me feel good about myself, to make me feel valued, to make me feel accepted. And I met a boy in high school and we became sexually active. And I really didn't understand the consequences of that. I felt like everybody was doing it. So eventually I would, and I might as well get it over with. And it's such a, such a lie. I didn't have conversations in my family about sexual intimacy and, and how precious it is in marriage. And so I, I was on my own to figure things out. And we became sexually active. I was 14, a freshman in high school, and I became pregnant. Well, both of my parents worked in our community. They're prominent citizens in our community, and they worked with children. And I did not want to shame my, my parents. And I felt like the only option that I had was to have an abortion to keep the secret. And that is the decision that I made. Well, at the time, at the clinic and in the parking lot, my boyfriend had asked me, are you sure you want to do this? And, and I said, yes. And I refused a conversation with him, basically silencing his voice and not giving him an opportunity to share what he would want. And I went ahead. I wanted to keep the secret desperately, not to bring shame to my parents. And, and so I went, went through with it. And now um, here's a, an interesting question I'm going to ask you. Um, because, of course, the whole discussion right now uh, is about the possible overturning of Roe v. Wade. Um, I always say legality gives permission. So in your circumstance, think back. If abortion wasn't legal, would you have sought an illegal abortion? Or do you think you would have had to tell your parents and, and give birth to this baby? Um, tell, tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, definitely, I would not have sought an abortion. Abortion was, it was convenient. It was presented to me. So at 14 years old, I didn't even know what abortion was. I, I wasn't in those conversations. I wasn't hearing about that. But when I went to my school counselor, which was the advice that I had received, I was a cheerleader in high school. And so I was around older girls and I they told me, go to the school counselor. And my counselor, she wrote me a note to go to the local Planned Parenthood. And so I, I walked just the several uh, blocks, maybe four or five blocks to the local Planned Parenthood where I had a pregnancy test. And so I, so it was just easy. It was made easy and it was, it was convenient. So if, if it was not legal and the teachers were not giving students notes to go to the local abortion clinic, then, then it wouldn't have happened. I don't think, no, I would have never thought about it. Right. And, and then your baby would be here today, uh, you know, as a, a, an adult, right? That is correct. That is correct. And I have had multiple abortions. And so I, I would have all of my children with me today. Yes. Right. And so um, tell us, because everyone, you know, th there's so much going on right now in the news where they're making it sound like this desperado thing. 
if Roe's overturned, women can't have access to abortion. But I've been talking to, a lot to the women of the campaign, like yourself, who've gone through healing and, you know, are, are in a good place. But how does this make you feel emotionally right now that, hmm, if it wasn't for that, I'd have my children? Can you just give us a, a feeling of what are you feeling with all this debate now in the news? Well, well, there's mixed emotions, definitely, because hearing about this brings up a lot of things that I had to face, decisions I, I had to face. But I definitely, most definitely believe that women will be healthier and there will be healthier families without abortion. When a woman has an abortion, she takes it into not, not only does, is she lacking as a mother, and she does not have her children, but then she's bringing that secret into her marriage, into her future. And, and sometimes it doesn't even come up ever. And so there's the, so the marriage and the family is already based on in deception because when we can't be authentic, when we can't tell, talk about what's happened in our past, talk about where our woundedness, maybe we're frustrated, angry, we, we snap at people, snap at our kids, snap at our husband. And sometimes women don't understand that that could be from a past abortion that they've had, that it, that woundedness will come up and it can't stay hidden. And so that's, that's why part of why this decision is so important in turning over this um, horrible and horrific uh just access to abortion and, and what that does to a woman and her future children and family. Right. Okay. So let's just go back to, to that abortion. You were 14, um, basically the high school, and this is what I warn people about You're, the high school guidance counselor basically swept you off and let you go have that abortion without your parents knowing. Um, tell us about how, how did things when you went back to school after that abortion, what was life like? And then how much after that did you end up having a, a second abortion? So give us a, a framework here. Well, well, after that abortion, I remember leaving the clinic and my boyfriend had picked me up and it was a significant moment because in that moment, I just decided never to talk about it again. And so I went into denial and I, I just went on life as usual with my daily activities and going to school like everything was normal. But inside of me, I had I had become numb. And one of the ways to be able to function with just this numbness and this feeling of shame uh, and the, the regret was to turn to drugs and alcohol. And so I turned to drugs and alcohol and I just dove right into more promiscuous activity. My boyfriend and I eventually ended up breaking up and then my life just spiraled. And at that point, two years later, at the age of 16, I found myself pregnant again. Wow. And so was this another situation where the high school counselor assisted you in obtaining the abortion or you already knew the path and you went down that route again? Right. I knew the path and I chose to go down that right that down that path with this particular abortion there were it was very very painful in how I had gotten pregnant and so there was some a situation there that I did not have a boyfriend at the time and and it was basically a one time thing and so I felt 
very, very desperate, very out of control, very. And, you know, one thing that I'm sorry if it's okay if I mention that just the support of having family, being able to have conversations so that we know that we're not alone, because I felt very alone and isolated. And I felt like I didn't have a choice. I didn't, there was, wasn't, there was a father, but I didn't really know the father. And so at that point, I just felt like I needed to cover up more, more of my shame, more of the bad decisions. I I wanted the facade that everything was okay in my life to, to be there. And for, I didn't want people to know how messed up I was and and what I was going through. And so it was easy. I, I made that appointment and I had a friend drive me and, and then I terminated that pregnancy. And so now you're 16 in high school, two abortions Mm -hmm. did, uh, and you're saying like your behavior did change, um, abusing drugs and alcohol, becoming more promiscuous. Did your parents notice any kind of behavior change here? They did. My, I remember that one particular time my mom sat me down and she didn't know what, what to do. And like I had shared, my parents both worked after school hours. Mm-hmm. I think maybe she felt desperate too, because they could see a lot of weight loss from the drug use. I was isolated from my family. I would stay in my bedroom. I wouldn't be involved in game night and things like that. I just stuck to myself. And so she did pull me aside at one time and she asked me if I wanted to go to counseling. She asked me if I wanted help because she didn't understand what was happening. And of course I wasn't opening up to her and allowing her into my pain and into what had happened and the choices. And, and um, I just said, no, I shut it down. And then that was, it was a one-time conversation. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, now, okay. That's two abortions. And I mean, I just can't imagine the, the, you're having to deal with this all by yourself. And what I tell people all the time is, you know, it, it's so difficult to reach out for help because the abortion industry, they tells you, tell you, right, oh, it's no big deal. Have the abortion. You'll be back in school tomorrow. That's the lie they tell you, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. They make it sound like everything's going to be easy and it's pain-free and there aren't going to be any consequences. There isn't going to be any aftermath emotionally. And, and But basically, they're just getting you through the door. They're getting you through the door. And so there isn't any type of counseling where they're sitting down. And that was an experience that I had uh, with my next abortion was that I actually had said no when I when I was on the table and I was crying on the table and the nurse said, you don't want want to do, do this to you? And I said, no, I don't. Well, they're not giving you any type of support. They're not giving you any options, education. They're not talking about what, what the consequences could be. And, and so you go into it blindly, but, but you can't, you can't escape the pain and what happens to you when you have an abortion. So how old were you when you had the third abortion? When I, you know, I don't remember my age. There's a lot of how, because of the drug and alcohol abuse and and my lifestyle, what it had turned into, it was just time. It's just time. But I was out of high school at that time. And I believe I was 19 or 20. Wow. Yeah. And now let's go back to that, that abortion, because you said, you're on the table. You say to the nurse or who's ever assisting the doctor, 
I've changed my mind. I don't want to have this abortion. Did they, they didn't let you get up from the table at that point? No, she said it would be over soon. And so, so she, you know, yeah. she was looking down over me and she could tell that she could see that I was crying and, and she just said, it'll be over soon. So where's the freedom of choice, right? I mean, right. The, the other side, they make it sound like it's empowering. This is a freedom of choice here. You're saying I changed my mind. No, any other operation, if the patient is on the table, and first of all, the doctor talked to them before they even get in the operating room. But can you imagine if you're about to undergo, just say I'm going to have knee surgery or something, and I say to the doctor right before the surgery, no, doctor, I want to put this off. I changed my mind. Do you think that doctor's still going to operate? Of course not, right? Right. Because he would be up for a lawsuit if something happened. But here with abortion, all the rules go out the window, don't they? It's crazy. I mean, you were saying, I changed my mind, tears streaming, and yet they they basically forced an abortion on you at that point, didn't they? Yes. And that's what, excuse me, that's what I shared with the California legislatures when I shared my story with them testifying against some of these abortion laws was that my choice was denied. My no was denied and they silenced me and they kept me on that table. And so, you know, it's important for our stories to be told. That's why Silent No More is so important because we need to share our stories because they're just hearing one side and we need to rise up and we need to let them know that, Hey, women are being, they're being manipulated. They're being manipulated and there are forced abortions. These things are happening and we can't deny it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now you have your third abortion. This was obviously now a forced abortion against your will. Um, how long did it take after that abortion for you to find healing? What happened? I started having anxiety and I was in a state where I pretty much could not function any longer. I had a drug, drug overdose and then anxiety just took over my life to where I couldn't drive my car. I couldn't sometimes leave my house and different things like that happened. And I had remembered, well, I, I went to Catholic school when I was in sixth, seventh and eighth grades. I actually begged my parents to send me to our local parish's school because I knew that something I knew that I needed something in my life and I wanted stability in my life. And I knew it because I saw it in the other kids. And so I was introduced to Jesus and to what he did at that time for us. And I felt loved and, and I was introduced to Jesus, the, the one who gave his life for his, his love for, for me. And so even though it didn't stick and I didn't make a commitment at that time and my life was out of control, I always went back to that love that I knew was there. And so I, when I was having this anxiety and my, and the drug overdose, and I didn't know where I was going and I wanted to die, I wanted to die. I couldn't, I couldn't carry my shame and guilt any, anymore. I reached out to a friend and she invited me to church and that's where I was introduced to, to the forgiveness that was available and to how my life could be redeemed. And these, these mistakes could be, or the, the sin, you know, they're there. You think of them as mistakes, but it's sin how it could be uh, forgiven. And, and that at that moment, my life changed. And it's been quite a journey, a journey of growth, a journey of healing, 
but um but through the strength of god he's he's brought me through it okay and yeah so now so i'm able to encourage other women to pursue healing in their lives as well right so you accepted god's mercy and god's forgiveness but then as we all know there takes a few more steps to learn to forgive yourself did you go through an abortion recovery program? And if so, which one? I did. I attended deeper still. Well, what happened was I didn't know that when I, when I was forgiven, I felt, I felt it. I felt forgiveness wash over me. And I, at that point, um, I didn't know where to go for healing. And I really didn't understand that I needed it. And so I just went through my life. Um, but then what happened was by, I, by a divine appointment, I was introduced to a crisis pregnancy center. And then through my journey with that crisis pregnancy center, I became the CEO. And at that point, that was when I realized that I needed healing. And that is where I was introduced to different programs. And I went to the uh, Deeper Still retreat in San Diego, California, here in California. And then that's where my healing journey truly began. But when I started working at the pregnancy center, I was introduced to the reality of what abortion is. And I saw a lot of the videos. I had to educate myself. I had to go deeper into what abortion was. And those videos are when I, when I realized, oh my gosh, <laughs> what did I do? this, what, what right. did I do? You know, they don't tell you what abortion is and they don't tell you what happens to the baby and they don't tell you the baby can feel pain. They don't tell you any of that. Um, but when I realized that I knew I needed, I needed healing. And that's that, that was part of the, the journey into the healing process for me. That's right. Okay. And then <clears throat> just to, uh, let us know a little bit further. Um, were you, did you ever marry? Did you ever move on? Did you, were you ever able to have children or, or no? What, how did, how did your life, you know, as you got healing continue on? Yes. Well, I, I did marry, uh, when I married, I was still in a broken state and I, I didn't love myself. I, I wasn't, I hadn't gone through healing at that point, but we did have two children. I have two adult children. I divorced after 10 years of marriage. And part of that, I, I do believe, is because I was so unhealthy emotionally that I, I didn't know how to have a healthy relationship, how to communicate in a relationship. And, but the, the marriage fell apart. I never remarried. So I have been single for, for over 25 years now or 20 wow. years. And I you know really have just pursued, pursued during this time of singleness the healing so that I could live a life of freedom and wholeness. And so that my voice would be equipped. I do believe that as we heal, our voice is strengthened and equipped for us to share our stories, to bring healing to other people. And that's been the focus of my life. You know, I don't want anybody to go through the pain that I went through. I understand because of personal experience, what it does to a person's life and it's crippling. And that's so when we're heal and whole, we can release and bring that to other people so that they know there's hope. So they can see that there's hope from where, where they are in their pain to a place of living free from that pain and being able to, to have life that is healthy and thrives. Yeah. Well, Bridget, you know, your, your story is amazing. It's very compelling. And I hope 
brothers and sisters, you will not let Bridget's story just rest here. You will repeat these facts, repeat these stories. Uh, because like Bridget is telling you, you know, you could be responsible for helping another woman from not going down this road, from not seeking an abortion because of, of telling them what happened to Bridget. And there's so many other women also with Silent No More have, have had similar experience to Bridget. Uh, this was not about freedom of choice. It was because they had no freedom, they had no choice, and there was no one to come alongside them and give them a real choice. So, and I want to remind you also, brothers and sisters, to go to abortionforgiveness.com. Again, abortionforgiveness.com. All you have to do, put in your zip code there, and it will show you where the nearest healing program, abortion recovery program is right near you. So Bridget, I just want to thank you for uh, being, again, so brave about going to the California legislature there and giving your story. Please continue to be silent no more. Continue to do that because I know it is making a difference. So thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Janet. <clears throat> well, brothers and sisters, before we go, I think everyone needs to know a little bit more about abortion. And I'd like to invite you to get a copy of my brand new book, Everything You Need to Know About Abortion for Teens. Now, you just heard Bridget's story. She was 14 when she had her first abortion. But imagine if Bridget had read this book. Right in here in the middle, there's beautiful pictures of the unborn baby starting at seven weeks. And I go through this 16 different pages of this beautiful unborn child. And in this book, I give the teens, and by the way, adults can learn too, all the facts about Roe v. Wade and how we got here and the landscape here in our country about on abortion. I tell them about the hard cases, rape incest, life of the mother, fetal anomaly. I teach them too how to discuss this issue and be on the offense instead of the defense with great facts. I also talk to them about promiscuity, like Bridget just shared. When you go from a relationship to a relationship, well, there's sexually transmitted diseases, and the facts are in here that this could be damaging to you. And I show the young people how chastity is the answer. This is a great tool. I hope many of you can get a copy. Go to abortionandteens.com, where you can order a copy of everything you need to know about abortion for teens. I will autograph it and personalize it for you. It'll make a great read this summer. And if you know any young person who just graduated high school going off to college, don't let them go off to college where Planned Parenthood is lurking without reading this book. It will empower them to really be pro-life. And you remember, brothers and sisters, as I always say, there are some abortions only you will be able to stop and some lives you'll only be able to save will be you. And this book can be a tool to help you do so. Again, go to abortionandteens.com and get your copy today. Well, thank you for joining me on this Oceans of Mercy program. And remember, the forgiveness of the Lord is always here for you. And finally, go to abortionforgiveness.com. And even if you haven't had an abortion, you can reach someone who has, and maybe they're locked in that shame. 
and they need an understanding voice. So I'm going to count on you, brothers and sisters, to spread the oceans of mercy wherever you go. This is Janet Miranda, Executive Director of Priest for Life. Thank you for joining us on the Oceans of Mercy. God bless. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.